Welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us. If you know something a bit different about the landscape today, we welcome special guests with brand new music for our show. We just wanted to shake things up a bit, and we also want to continue to thank you for listening to The Landscape and subscribing to this Cranes Cleveland podcast. Students of the history of the Cleveland Museum of Art know that one of the most transformative gifts that the museum ever received came to 1958, when industrialist Leonard Hanna Jr. left the museum some $34 million and numerous pieces of art that really helped shape CMA's collection. The museum recently received another gift of this magnitude when in March of 2020, Joseph and Nancy Keithley gave the museum more than 100 works of art. Patrons will be able to see these additions to the collection beginning September 11th when the exhibition Impressionism to Modernism, the Keithley Collection, goes on view. Joe and Nancy Keithley join us today to talk about how they acquired these works and why now is the right time to donate them to the museum. Joe and Nancy, thanks so much for being with us today. It's our pleasure. Thanks for having us, Dan. Many of us acquire a passion for some artistic discipline, sometimes more than one. Let me start with you, Nancy. What made you interested in the visual arts? Did your parents take you to museums, or how did you come to have this love for the visual arts? I developed it between 1976 and today. Joe is a great visual person, and I've learned a lot from him. And by collecting, I've advanced my visual learning skills. I used to rely only on auditory, but now I can see that over a 20-year period, I've really made some headway into developing visual skills. Joe, how about for you? How did you come to be interested in the world of visual art? Well, I grew up in a home in Cleveland where uh, my grandfather's artist friend's paintings were hanging on the walls. And my parents took me to Cleveland Museum of Art as well as other museums when we'd travel. Uh, I think that kind of those experiences in my youth kind of got me going. Uh, And to add to that, I began to do photography early on in junior high school. We know that both you appreciated art then as young people, and early in your marriage, you started looking at art and started buying antiques. When did you recognize yourself as being serious art collectors, Joe? Well, you're uh, right in saying that uh, we worked together to put art on our walls, our very first apartment. Uh, So I guess that's been a hallmark of of our behavior. Uh, But it was kind of, it was in 1999, though, that we began collecting works of art that the people who are going to be coming to the exhibition uh, we'll see at the museum. Uh, in 2001, we knew we were really committing ourselves to becoming serious art collectors when we bought a painting uh, by Matisse, whose name was the, the Tulips. The painting was at a dealer in New York City, and a curatorial friend here at the Art Museum said, you ought to take a look at it, and we went to New York, and we did. We sat in the uh, gallerist's gallery for two hours, mesmerized by that painting and finally we decided that uh, we would buy it and after that really there was just no holding us back if we could if we could do that uh, I suppose we could carry forward on and then do do more Nancy Joe mentioned this relationship there in this particular example with people from the Cleveland Museum of Art you've dealt with directors curators conservators how they help shape your collection since we um, purchased Tulips by Matisse, we've had an ongoing dialogue with directors, curators, conservators from the Cleveland Museum of Art. Um, they, they steered us to artists that we wouldn't have known about. They guided us away from purchases that really wouldn't hold up over time. 
and it, after a couple of years and several purchases, we developed a shorthand with them, which was, is it good enough for CMA to hang? And so if it wasn't, we, uh, we passed it by. And in that way, they, they disciplined us to wait for something that was truly worthy of being hung at the Cleveland Museum of Art. Were you always, was it always in your back of your mind that this is where the collection would go as you had those discussions with them? No, that's, that's a surprise. And I would say that it had to be suggested to us that we were serious collectors. And I can relate that one particular day we were in a conversation with Henry Adams, who's a professor of American art at Case Western Reserve University. And he, we were chatting and he said, you know, what a museum needs is one really serious collector. And I was waiting for him to continue that thought, and he, he didn't say anything more. And after a bit, it dawned on me that he was talking about us. <laughs> so I, right then, I sort of mentally squared my shoulders and said, I'm going to take this seriously. As you began to take it more seriously, did you think, I'd like to get this museum. Did you ever think about pieces you thought maybe that wouldn't fit for the museum, even if it could hang there, but it's something that you really liked? Well, I must admit that we uh, like a lot of different works. And frankly, we didn't have the problem that we liked it, but the museum didn't like it. Uh, on, on the other hand, uh, we were just going to ignore them uh, because uh, we were so attached to it. That uh, There was tremendous alignment with uh, with them on this because, frankly, they've got such great collection uh, that is encyclopedic. What we had to be careful about is that uh, we would go in a completely unfocused way buying art. And while the art is really a very much European, uh, Impressionist, Post-Impressionist, uh, modern, and American modern and contemporary. We've got a painting, for example, from Andrew Wyeth, which I wouldn't describe in that context. Uh, we have a beautiful painting uh, by a 17th century artist who painted still lifes. So those would be two examples of paintings which were outside over. Uh, and in addition, I think the museum doesn't feature art as much from Cleveland artists, and certainly our relationship uh, that we developed in the 1980s with the Cleveland uh, Kent artist uh, Joe Osicki, we bought some beautiful paintings uh, from him from Bonfoy Gallery, and we uh, we love those. And fortunately, uh, in many cases, now too, so does the museum because they accepted. Uh, several of the Joe Osikis that we owned uh, for their collection. Can we circle back for a moment to that work by Andrew Wyeth, The End of Olson's? I mean, I had never seen that before, and it's, it's just, it's so beautiful and stark. Is that what attracted you to it? Yes. Uh, also, it's, its composition is very strong. The fact that he painted this uh, from an up the third floor window, looking out over the breezeway and then the barn that was connected to the house, uh, and he used egg tempura as his technique, which can be uh, applied to the, to the canvas with, honestly, almost like a single hair of a brush. 
he could be very, very exact with that. But it was it was the colors, and uh, I also must admit that we grew up where we thought Wyeth was a wonderful artist in the 1960s, and the art community and the art art historian community kind of looks down at uh, someone who's as realist in today's world as as uh, Wyeth. Uh, but I think they're beginning to come to grips with the fact that if you weren't an abstract expressionist or a pop artist, you could also be uh, well-known and respected. Joseph and Nancy Keithley join us today for The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. Going on view September 11th at the Cleveland Museum of Art is the exhibition Impressionism to Modernism, the Keithley Collection. It runs through January 8th, 2023. Nancy, is there a particular story or a particular piece of art that really captured you, that, that, that you remember, that you thought you, that this is something that's really stuck with you? I know the collection is large, but one in particular? Uh, yes, I would say um, I took a big leap uh, into bidding at auction, uh, and this was 2008, and I had my eye um, with Joe on an Impressionist painting by Gustav Kaibot, and it's titled Villas at Truvi. And so the auction would be held in the evening at Sotheby's, and I was set up with a specialist at Sotheby's to bid um, during this auction. Our, the piece we were interested in came up maybe fifth in, in the order of the auction, and the bidding had begun, and there were quickly four bids. And I was on the telephone, and I know that my specialist in, at Sotheby's was thinking, is she ever going to get started? And um, after I heard some of the numbers, which were less than I thought they might be, I said, let's go. And so we went. I had a, a few people bidding against me in the room and on the telephone. But we, um, we prevailed. We, we got that painting, and... It was within our budget, so I was overjoyed to have done it and, and to have succeeded. You've both traveled internationally. How's that shaped the collection? Well, for me, you know, I began traveling to Japan regularly for business in the 1980s, and when I wasn't busy working with customers, uh, I went to a couple of small shops in Tokyo that sold beautiful gifts, I think, for, uh, frankly, women selling or or buying ceramics and porcelains that they would give as a gift to a friend for a special occasion. But the presentation was just exceptional, Uh, and that really got my eye and attention, and, frankly, I could pack several of them in a a suitcase uh, that I could bring home and show Nancy. But it really was uh, in a CMA museum trip that we took to Japan back in 2006, uh, where we were introduced to uh, contemporary Jap- Japanese ceramicists, uh, and they I just fell in love with them. So we began collecting them, working through a dealer who, frankly, is very evangelical about the subject, uh, and she's in New York, Joan Mervis, uh, and that got us going from that point on. I would like to ask you about a piece that's not Japanese, but Chinese, the conical bowl. I, it's so beautiful in its simplicity and this magnificent color. I'm no expert in art, but it seems the beauty is in part because it's so understated. Do you, do you find that about Asian art? 
I know you can't generalize too much, but often it seems like there, it's less is more. I think you're right there, uh, Dan, and often it's the color of the pigment that um, holds the day. So the shape might be a bowl, but the color yellow that the artist is able to produce is mm, almost like a bowl of honey. You know, you, you just like to drown in that bowl. It's so beautiful. And so I think in addition to simplicity, there's, there's an exalted artistry that Chinese artisans have, and often it, it's portrayed through color. Would you say there's a theme running through this collection? I realize it goes from impression to modernism, but is there a particular themes that you think run through it, Joe? I think uh, color certainly runs through it, uh, and whether it's uh, you know, even the even the Andrew Wyeth or the uh, that 17th century French still life uh, artist, uh, but as we've moved forward, the uh, impressionist and the Nabi artists and the modern artists. So when I think of uh, the Pissarro, or I think of the Kayabat, and then I move on to people like Vuillard and Bonnard, uh, and the, I can rattle off, uh, Valaton would be another one, and then move to Matisse. Uh, they all are just vibrant color. And uh, frankly, we not only moved uh, in terms of more representational art to more abstract art, uh, but the Joan Mitchells, that we bought, and they were later in our collecting, uh, are lots of impasto, large, lots of very strong colors, uh, and you could react to the colors, and we chose colors where the reaction was, was a positive one. And, uh, I just love uh, those paintings in particular, so I think that's a, a theme that uh, carries forward kind of throughout. You mentioned the Nabi artists, and I'm not sure if everyone is as familiar with them as artists who came later. Can you talk about why they're important for just a moment? Sure. Uh, these were a group of, uh, of young men who gathered together at an art school in Paris. They began to study together, I think, something like 1888, 1890, uh, and they worked together, and there were four or five of them uh, during the period between 1890 and 1900 when they began to, to, to split up. What they were moving from was the art that would be seen by the Impressionist where they were trying to capture a moment and they would actually be out with their canvas in hand painting. And the Nabi were taking the art uh, kind of presented to them through another artist, Gauguin, who was painting at the same time, who said to them, you should uh, interpret what you see through your own imagination. So you could have a tree be purple, and you could uh, loosen up the, uh, the, the shapes to, to those which you want to have. And in addition, these artists uh, were the first ones, I think, who really did a lot taking advantage of the uh, Japanese prints that became available, you know. The Europeans really had no contact with the Japanese before, let's say, 1860. And by 1880, 1890, 
uh, they were very much uh, the rage because in Japanese art, there isn't much depth of field, but there's tremendous pattern variations that are captured uh, in their in their work. Uh, for example, on a Komoda, and what they Nabi did was to capture that same sort of of uh, technique, but apply it to interiors, uh, particularly if we are in Bonar that uh, that ten year period, and that ushered in the next the next wave of artists. Uh, in, in terms of the of, of modernism, Nancy. Now you and Joe come in as experts, having studied this. What about a person who's new who comes to see uh, impression impressionism to modernism? This Keithley collection. What do you hope they'll take from it? Oh, first of all, I'm delighted that they'll be there. And next, uh, I think our our particular collection is is varied. So European and American paintings, decorative arts, Japanese and Chinese ceramics, works on paper. And I list those things because it, I have a sense that as a first-time visitor, there's something for everyone uh, in this exhibition. And I, I think it will be easy to grasp because the museum has been somewhat playful, I believe, in installing our collection as an exhibition. So they've mixed um, all the forms that I mentioned. And in a sense, gives the, the visitor uh, an impression of what they look like in our own home. So I think that people will see, you know, what we've talked about, some colors, some shapes, some different uh, painterly styles, and say, hmm, yeah, I, I can imagine the Keithleys enjoying living in proximity to great art. <laughs> Well, finally, now that you've donated the collection, is it time to start a new one, Joe? <laughs> I'm sorry, you're asking me if we're continuing to buy art? Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, to, I think I know the answer <laughs> to that. Turn that little uh, interest off, I must admit. But uh, at, at, at this point, uh, our, our continued interest in buying uh, art has been more around contemporary Japanese ceramics. Is uh, Nancy's tried to tamp me down a little bit. <laughs> well, we appreciate the fact that you bought this art and donated it to our museum. It's a great pleasure, and we appreciate what you've done for us. Nancy and Joe Keithley, thanks so much for joining us today for The Landscape. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you, Dan. Nancy and Joe Keithley join us today for The Landscape. The, ex the exhibition Impressionism to Modernism, the Keithley Collection, goes on view at the Cleveland Museum of Art September 11th. You can certainly find out more by visiting our website at cranescleveland.com. I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us for The Landscape, and we'll talk again soon.